Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, am I the main interviewer? Uh, or are you, you know, am I just a kind of conversational point with you? about? You're the only in... It's just you and me. No, no, no. I, oh, what, what? I thought you were asking if you like there was another interviewer. No, no, no. Like, am I? Um, like, are you taking the lead, or am I taking the lead? You're taking the lead. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode one hundred and one. For those of you new to the pod, for those of you new to the show, I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, nowhere. There's literally no one of influence on this podcast at all. Um, no, genuinely, uh, this is a this is a little bit of a change to the format. I've called this episode Comedy 101. Uh, I'm hoping that the change in name will make sense in a minute and also allow people that if they if this is your first episode, go back and listen to other episodes first because this one is not indicative of the kind of content that I put out on this feed. What I have done is I have asked one of my good friends, comedian and club owner, Ben Verth, to come on and ask me questions. Uh, I've been working on this episode for a while I wanted to do something exciting to bookend the first 100 episodes of the podcast but it felt a little bit wrong I say so it's wrong is the wrong word it felt a little bit self-indulgent to do this episode 100 it feels like a nice round number it feels like it should get the proper respect it did and I hope that you enjoyed John Montague's episode I wanted this one to be someone else who I trust to interview me as I say at the very start I don't particularly like being interviewed So someone who I respect and like interviewing me about what I've learned in the first hundred episodes of this podcast. I really liked it. Uh, I, we covered a real range of subjects. I think, uh, Ben felt I came off quite negative in, in the, the actual recording. I listened to it back and felt a little bit like I could see where it was coming from. But to be honest with you, I was in a headspace at the time where I was very much reflecting on the podcast and on the work that I've done. And I had got a lot of messages from people recently asking me about podcasting in Edinburgh and all kinds of questions that I don't really, like, I'm not an expert on those, I just know what I do. But it made me feel a little bit like I needed to give people reality and reality-based answers. So that's maybe where my head was at. But to be honest, I didn't think it was that negative. I feel like we covered the positives and the negatives of podcasting, creating a show, um, uh, both at Edinburgh 
and beyond and and the future of my live work and and what I'm going to be doing with this show so uh, I hope you enjoy it I hope you get a lot out of it and if you're a, a big fan of the show you should get a little bit more of an insight into me which might be of interest or you're going to switch off right now and uh, I'm you know not going to feel insulted because uh, it's definitely not a personal attack on me is it uh, if you're still listening, thank you very much. Uh, we've sort of cut the week there. That was good. Before I uh, hit play, I'm going to remind you that if you're new here, please do hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. And either way, please do consider joining the Facebook group. It's called RC Industry Podcast, and it's on Facebook, obviously. But for now, this is Ben Verf and me talking about the first hundred episodes. Off we go. So, Simon, <laughs> how does it feel uh, to be the, the, the proverbial other side of the studio, um, as it were? Uh, I'm Ben Verth. I'm uh, one of the directors of Monkey Barrel Comedy Club in Edinburgh. And for the 100th edition of Ask the Industry... 101. 101. 101. 101. 101. Comedy 101 is the name of the episode. Uh, uh, and I'm interviewing you. You've interviewed a hundred other people, mm. um, uh, including least, you. including me. Mm. Well, so in which case, some some of them were uh, were, <laughs> were double, sometimes triple interviews. So there's uh, mm. we're, we're quite we're higher than a hundred. Mm. Uh, and now, this is a, this is basically this is an episode as to what, if anything, you've learned <laughs> from the the last three years of trawling the mire that is British comedy and all its strata. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I guess the first question is, what have you learned? What a, what a, <laughs> what a wide and stupid way to start the interview. Just keep it vague. Keep okay. it vague at the time. So, so I'll tell you what. Okay, so can for, I, first and foremost... Can I, can I say yeah. up top, just so listeners are aware, because yeah. I've spoken to you about this, yeah. I don't like being interviewed. Sure. And I've told you about this before. And I, I, I will point out that one of the reasons I've doing it with you is because I don't feel like it's going to be an interview it's just going to be like yeah, a chat type like, thing okay and, and yeah so I've kind of put on like a Michael Parkinson-esque kind of you have uh, you're slightly different how yeah, you normally talk yeah. but I that's absolutely fine I I should say the only reason I prefer interviewing than interviewing it no it being the interviewer instead of the interviewee sure. is uh first of all I'm interested in other people more than myself mm-hmm. and secondly I always find it a bit disingenuous interviews. Like mm-hmm. I always think that the other person doesn't really give a shit. Um, so uh, it's it's a lot easier when you're chatting to a mate okay. <laughs> than than well, you know. Well, you know, and like you know, I'm yeah, sorry, you, one could not be here today. <laughs> and you had to put up with me. Yeah. Well, where is John? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, so that seems like a, that seems like a, a, a decent place to begin. Then Go on, um, is that <laughs> let's let's say if let's let's get two prong. Uh, Personally, uh, has Ask the Industry been worth it? And professionally, has Ask the Industry been worth it? Uh, um, because it's an, it is, let's, I mean, let's say what it is. I mean, that's, that seems quite a weighty opening yeah. question. This has been the last, what, three, four years of your life? Three this has been a regular uh, regular release uh, <laughs> and editing and interviewing and the podcast. This has been a sizable project you've undertaken here. Yeah. Uh, personally, has it been worthwhile? Uh, and professionally, i.e., even if it was not a podcast and you were just talking to these people <laughs> down the pub with them, yeah, are you a better comic? Are you a better comedy performer? Are you a better comedy businessman for it? Do you think? Good question. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. I have to elaborate on those before I can answer that third bit. So, personally, yes. 
I have spoken to people that would not answer my emails previously. Mm-hmm. I have been invited to do things and speak at places that w- wouldn't know who I was mm-hmm. if, it, if it hadn't happened. Um, it's increased my social media work in my day stuff, mm-hmm. um, into, including writing work and all kinds of stuff like that, um, which is not something that when I started I thought about. Like, a, a, you know, I don't, I didn't email Hills Jager to to get writing you know like I didn't think that would be a correlating thing um so personally yes it's it's made me more comfortable talking to people it's made me less worried about going to networking events because I kind of know people there now which was uncomfortable because at the time of starting this I was getting invited to things sure and I think you're similar to me in that I'm not particularly a networker and I don't particularly like quote-unquote networking events Mm -hmm. Um, even if they are ones where everyone's getting pissed and whatever, you know, like I'm still not very good at them and I still, f- you know, overthink, oh, I've not spoken to them or I've walked past them twice, they think I'm ignoring them. Yeah. Or, you know, I, I do that the whole, and no one cares. They're all doing the same thoughts. Sure. So being able to sit with people while- You've learned how to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to learn that. <laughs> I learned it. Um, but yeah, so so it, it's made my life easier in the sense that now I can turn up to a lot of events and, mm. and people kind of- even know who I am or have met me because I've gone to their office and met their boss or whatever. Yeah. Or you know how to approach them on their own terms. Yes, sure. and, and also uh, a lot of the editing is uh, taking out little bits of repetitive. So, uh, you know, some people will talk about something they specifically like in a podcast over and over again because it's on their mind. And it means that you have a reason to email them in a few weeks to go, oh, how did that go? How did that go? And, you know, sincerely give a shit about their life, mm. um, which is something that I like doing like I do in my regular life, you know, if someone says to me they've got an exam coming up, I put it in my diary and I text them. Sure. Because to me, that's what you do. I know that's not what everyone does, but to me, that's what I think you do. Um, but without knowing that information up front, you know, you don't start the dialogue of people thinking they can just tell you things. Mm-hmm. And if people just tell you things, you find out a lot. Sure. And if you know a lot, it, it, it comes down to a lot of that, you know, it's not just who you know, it's what you know as well in this industry. So personally, yes, Professionally, massively. Um, I, as I was talking about before we started, uh, Radio 4 emailed Mm -hmm. and are interested in an idea I've got. And I know people who are better than me. I know people who are worse than me, uh, who have got in touch with Radio 4. I don't think... uh, Barry Ferns said something really nice to me because I I met up with him the afternoon that, you know, I got that email. And he said... um, it, Radio 4 aren't backing the horse, they're backing the jockey. Mm-hmm. And that really put me at ease to go in to meet them. But also, it, he was saying, you know, they, they know your work. They listen to your podcast. They know you know how to edit. Yeah. And they know that you have a work ethic. So they aren't as worried about taking a risk on you as they might be with someone else who is better than you. Which well, I suppose they also know to some degree as well that you have a listenership. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the one, the one, the, the, I wouldn't say the most insulting thing, but the, the most frustrating thing about that meeting was them saying, you're not well known enough to host it. Yeah. And I thought they were going to say that. Yeah. They were quite blunt about it. Mm-hmm. But in a very lovely way, I, you know, I, I didn't take it personally at all. I sort of knew that was coming. Yeah. My frustration with that is that how do I get well known enough without them putting me on it? Do you know what I mean? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do you get to that stage without? But then I've got to this stage. Yeah. So maybe in a few years' time, if I had another idea, I'd be at a stage where they'd yeah. take it more seriously. So professionally, yes. 
um, I mean, there's other examples of, you know, I've, I've sent things to people, commissioners yeah. and stuff, and got notes back. And yeah. I don't know many people at my quote-unquote level who can get notes from commissioners yeah. because they know you or because they, they want to talk to you yeah. or, or just because they like you because you've spent a bit of time with them mm -hmm. and stuff. So, um, yeah, f f uh, professionally, massively. Yeah. The reason this episode's happening is so that I can take a break from this. Mm -hmm. Partly so I can try and get the Radio 4 thing off the ground, yeah. but partly because I I lose about two days a week to this and, and the time capture one. And that's time I really want to spend writing mm -hmm. and working on comedy. I still gig about four or five times a week and I have a day job, which you're aware of that I'm kind of doing today. Sure. Um, if it, you know, if you He's a baker, <laughs> the best goddamn bakers in town. Well, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna do something. I don't know why that tickled me so much to picture you as a baker. <laughs> it's a, sure. I mean, that is not your job. <laughs> Anyone who listens, I'm sure knows that's not your job. I, <laughs> I don't I, know why it tickled me that you just <laughs> like being like the number one kind of kid's idea of a Victorian job. I, I like image. the idea that someone's first episode is this one and they've got, why is he doing this if he's a baker? It's probably quite good money. Yeah. Oh, I guess you get up early, you're done by three o'clock, everyone's got the pies. You want to do a you podcast. Gotta, you, yeah. got a, you got a whole night for doing stand-up comedy. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically yeah. that's what I do, guys. Uh, I, bake, I bake cake. Well, I don't sell them, I eat them. Uh, but I... Well, Economically, that is not a good idea for you. It's not That's, the best business model, but it, yeah. it, it works for me, and I'm constantly on a sugar high, uh, <laughs> so I don't care. Um, but no, it, um, I I have often won. So I think that's every day. I watch a lot of YouTube mm -hmm. videos, and I wonder how many friendships. I've neglected or not started as a result of spending time sat at home watching other people on the internet. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds weird, but. Instead of having a conversation with you, I might stay at home for an hour and watch a few videos and have conversations in a comments box with strangers who I'll never really be able to follow up with. Uh, so it's but the is that thing. just the modern ideal of how often do relationships fall apart because you've watched the television or read a book yes. or you know read the paper, or had a bath, whatever, just did some something private and relaxing. Mm. Well, I, I forget, <laughs> edit, cut, forget it. <laughs> I'm leaving every wank joke in, oh mate. I'm leaving God, all the wank joke. Just a wanking baker. It's just a wanking baker <laughs> with, with a Radio 4 series. Um, it's the that's dream, that's the comedy dream, isn't it, mate? It's what my mum wanted for me when I started. That's when I was doing the Amuse Moose course. God, we've both gone quite northern, haven't we? We have, haven't we? <laughs> I've been hanging out with uh, Barry Dodds a lot. Um, I, so, yeah, uh, I, I want to get better at comedy but I also yeah. I also am bored of comedy yeah in the in the sense that I don't like man and a mic or woman and a mic whatever uh comedy mm -hmm. I've, I think when you just stand there I I find that I can't really watch an hour of that and and okay. I'm trying to work with so that but a few people at the moment so that's to, interesting because that is that is you up to this point yeah I know you've been a solo microphone performer you're not a you're not a powerpoint or prop <laughs> or kind of character artifice kind no. of comic is that is, so is, this, is this what is this is this a scoop Simon uh, is this uh, what, what, you are okay. Parkinson getting this so, you, so you're, you're, you're going to move direction Sort of. Are you allowed to say what I am, you want yeah. to do? Okay. Because, because I don't have to I mean it. it's your podcast you literally you, I can edit you're all the person out who, yeah. <laughs> 
You've uh, forgotten how editing works. Uh, uh, yeah, or I don't know. I've, I've got a Doctor Who podcast. I was like, is this, are we back? Because I usually yeah. record it in the same room as oh, well. Oh, cool. So I was like, why are we not talking about the time monster right now? That's we can talk about time capsule. No. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you're changing, you're, you're changing uh, tack. Sort of. I, th- I think, okay. I feel like and actually, before you, before you start on that, on. Uh, sorry, I keep interrupting, but I think it's maybe quite an interesting point. Is that is is you changing tag? You said there is because you can't watch an hour of it. Yeah. Is that because? But what do you feel about performing an hour of it? Uh, fine, once or twice. You can't watch it, so it's maybe not to your taste. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but the actual performance of it then. F- fine, like you tired of that. Fine, once or twice, but to do it for like, for example, I've signed up for Edinburgh to do yeah. it for twenty eight consecutive shows or whatever okay i will probably go and say the, the, okay the but pro- is that because of edinburgh though okay okay let me explain so the the issue i've got is and i know i'm going to insult a lot of people right now and i don't mean to i think there's a a, a slowing down of originality in certain areas mm-hmm. and i think so if we take podcasting for an idea a lot of people start podcasts where they're doing exactly this kind of thing, where they're just having a chat with a mate. Two or, sexy lads. Yeah. Have Wait, a there's another one coming. Chin wag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the sexy lads will be along in just a few minutes, listeners. Great for an audio medium. <laughs> just imagine the sexy men in the room. Um, hey, here we are. I'm the Gary, the sexy lad. <laughs> oh, hey, Gary. Yeah, no, I'll give you the microphone in a minute. Hey, thanks, Ben. This is not that's, what his, that's his stage name, Gary the Sexy Lad. Gary the Sexy Lad. Gary the sexy oh my lad. God, that's your new character. That's my new. Right, well now we're in days it. at Edinburgh. Gary the, the sexy, sexy Lad. lad. That's why I'm doing four sit-ups a night. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can do. Um, I, I just so when I when uh, okay we're podcasting. I think we I think we had this discussion about Doctor Who podcasting. There's a mm-hmm. lot of them, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of football podcasts. There's a lot of comedians interviewing comedians podcasting, and I don't for a second think that this one isn't just a offshoot of a bunch of other ones that do the same thing in another industry because it is mm-hmm. uh it is if you're interested the tim ferris podcast sure. is one that i listened to a lot before i started my one and i would have to cite it as something that made me start rc Ind- or one of the things that's the name start rc industry because it allowed me to talk to people and it allowed me to all that kind of stuff right um so it's not like that at all i just think in comedy I, I'm sure you, I, I don't know how to say it without insulting people and I don't mean to insult people I think if I'm, I think if you understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. then you won't be insulted but if you don't under, if you're getting defensive right now then you then you might be who I'm talking about but I, I it's it's more that okay so what essentially you're saying what, is that you and presumably the reason you started this podcast mm. and it surely hasn't diminished over the course of creating this podcast uh, is that you have uh, more than yourself, you've a great love and a great passion for the art. And yeah, you, and you want to try and do your best for the art. Yeah, uh, and if anything, in the last couple of years, there has been particularly coming out of London, there has been a true, spirited, courageous, adventurous attempt to do something very, very different than just the single man, the single performer, the microphone. Mm. And let's face it, it is usually men. Like, I yeah, mean, when people think of stand up. I mean, I don't mean to insult anybody, but I think that. Uh, you know, like the uh, particularly American as well. Like mm. When people think stand up, they think of a complaining white man. Yep, <laughs> which is exactly what you are. I am a complaining. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and but you, but you, but you, but you think that you can offer more. I no. Here's the thing. I want to offer more. Yeah. And I tell you, what, I tell you what really struck me recently. I, I I've had a few people write to me 
on Facebook who I who have either seen me a few so if people come and see me a few times and they add me on Facebook I'll kind of accept which I probably shouldn't put out publicly um, but if they've seen me once I tend to not you know, I'll follow me on Twitter or add the mailing list or something. I don't, I don't want every, cause you only get a limited number of friends. I don't want everyone doing that. But if you're going to come and see me on a regular basis or you want to be like a bit friendly rather than, you know, whatever, feel free to add me and I'll probably accept. Um, partly because I get to know people because I like getting to know people, mm. which is where this all came from. Um, but I've had a few messages from people recently because I posted about uh, some things to do with serial killers, some things to do with uh, JFK, some things to do with my nan dying. Um, and, and all the messages have been, you know, you've you've been more insightful and more funny than normal. Mm. And one person wrote to me, and I know it shouldn't just be one person that you, you know, makes you make a difference in your life or whatever, but sometimes it just is. They said, uh, why don't you ever talk like this on stage? Mm-hmm. And I said, because it would be a longer build and or, or it would be a more boring build and, you know, it's it's whatever. And they said, yeah, but you never hear comedians talking about things. You only hear them talking, you, you know, it's get to the punchline quick. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like almost, almost as if they, they'd rather cut down the setup mm-hmm. so that, you know, they could just get as many jokes in as possible. Sure. And she was like, the reason I liked your, you know, the, the Buddhism and Cat show, the 2015 show, was because it said something to me. And, and you covered enough subjects that meant that, I, I, A, I felt like I knew you, and mm-hmm. B, I felt like I got to think about something afterwards. And one of my frustrations with the, like last year's show was it was, you know, lots of comedians came to see it, which was really nice. And I think it's no small part to do with this podcast. And a lot of them really liked it. And a lot of people who came to see Buddhism and Cats were not as fond of it. And I think it was because it was kind of a bit more comedian funny, if you like, mm-hmm. than, than Buddhism and Cats. And so some of the jokes were a bit inny to what you might, no, if you're sure, okay. if you're if you're on the th- circuit. So this time, I want to do something which a is a bit more, let's say, commercially viable, but also something that is a bit different to both of those. Okay. Where I get to maybe be a bit more practical. Maybe I, I want to play around with lighting a bit more. I think like that's something that's okay. massively not done. So, so is those vague ideas, or, or what will that look like? At the moment, they're very vague ideas. Yeah. Okay. But the the, the principal point of what I want to do is I, I, I want I want you to feel something. Okay. About the jokes, I, w- I want them to not just be set up gag. I want them to. I mean, it makes me sound like a prick. I'm aware of. Okay. So so what what I'm visualizing, I guess, is the kind of the 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 the, the Kitson esque move from the stand up to the the theater maker like did you see daniel kitson at the roundhouse i did actually yeah yeah, yeah. um my my concern with going anywhere near i i joked with my friend and said i should call the new show funnier than kitson or die trying right, because okay. i thought that'd be funny yeah. and she said no but your problem there is you're and again aiming your comedy at comedians again because mainly comedians know who Kitson is mm-hmm. like she said I only know who Kitson is because you mentioned him to me because you'd just gone to see his sh- like this yeah, a few days okay. after yeah, yeah. Um, I I think Kitson does amazing work I think he's really really good um, I don't want to be him though mm-hmm. I think I think if you I, the big issue that you have when you first start out is that you kind of can't get rid of your own influences mm-hmm. for maybe the first 100 200 gigs and the last thing I want to do nearly a thousand gigs in is start to emulate someone else no but it's uh but it, no but it's a good place to, to start certainly 
And well, it seems like what you want to do is something a bit more truthful and emotional. But in terms of what that actually looks like, is that still going to be a single performer? Yes, but... Um, have you okay? Let's 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 let's, let's um, eliminate some let's, things. Let's unpack it like this. <laughs> okay. Uh, bringing it back to the Ask the Industry podcast is that it is not just comics that you speak to on the podcast. No. It is television producers. It is live and television um, promoters. Uh, it is people from PR. It's uh, reviewers. It's critics. It's designers. It's uh, some awards people. Like it's everybody that a comic in mm. a given year might encounter. Mm-hmm. So when you are you you're right at the beginning of the process of this new this Simon two point comedy, <laughs> comedy person. Yeah, okay. I, I've just if you want to know where I'm at genuinely yeah. uh, on the cycle of where I normally would be at, I would do Edinburgh. I would then tour that show for three months. Mm-hmm. I would then probably have a few shows where I warm up for a like a recording thing. Mm-hmm. So like around January time. Yeah. While I'm doing that, I've started writing the new show and applying for Edinburgh. Okay, so let's start with the writing then. But I'm at the stage where I've just thrown out about 20 minutes worth of stuff that I was writing last year for this year's show. Okay. Because it's just jokes. Sure. And one of my friends literally said to me, it was really random because they said, oh, but I love that. And I was like, why though? And they went, oh, it's just funny, isn't it? And I went, it's why? So, so what it's, do, just, so it's, it's just, it, so don't get me wrong. just jokes? It, just jokes completely disengaged from you as a person? Or, you know, like as an anecdotal material? I, I love jokes. Yeah. You know, I, I would have stopped this podcast and I would have stopped doing comedy if I didn't still adore writing jokes. Yeah. I do it all day, every day as a job. So it's, you know, it's not that at all. It's just... I, I mean, I, I, I did a gig the other day with someone who did, and I don't want to give specifics because it's fairly easy to work out who they were, but let's just say they went on stage and they said, oh, hey, uh, it's really nice to be here because I'm from insert place, uh, so I really mean it, kind of thing. Okay, right? right yeah, yeah. And, and the amount of times I've seen that joke, there's no way they've not seen that joke by someone else. Yeah. And I just thought, you've wasted 20 seconds of 50 people's life here. Um, and, and yes, but what was the context? What, what was the opening gig? joke? Literally. No, no, no. What was the gig? It's just a club gig. Okay, so and don't get me wrong, at club gigs, you know, you you kind of want to get a laugh as quickly as possible, and I, and I'll probably do that tonight at this gig. I'm not downplaying it. I'm just, for me, as artsy fartsy and pretentious as I'm probably going to come off. Sure. I think there's more. Like comedy can be anything. Mm-hmm. I I've seen you know uh, we were, I was talking about the Elvis Dead before this kind of thing. Um, a, a show that I, I've never seen Elvis or The Evil Dead, and I've still seen neither, and I thought it was hilarious. Sure. And this is Rob Kemp's. Rob Kemp's output. Uh, Edinburgh and Leicester lauded comedy show. Exactly. The Elvis Dead. Yeah. Okay. I've seen uh, Beck Hill. I adore her flip chart things. As much as some people call them gimmicky, I couldn't give a shit if they're gimmicky or okay. not. They tell me so much about her. Mm-hmm. They tell me so much about what she's thinking about and how passionate she is. And, you know, to. Put it this way, to sit down and write a joke, right, is one thing. But to sit down, write a joke, choreograph a song, come up with a, a flip chart, draw the flip chart, get it wrong, redraw the flip chart, get it wrong again, redraw the flip chart, take it across town to, you know, you learn yeah. about a person from something like that. And I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I want to become gimmicky. Maybe, I'll, maybe I, I don't know. But I just don't want it to, f- and also, I don't know if you find this, but like, 
you know, I have friends that come up to the Fringe every year and they'll see eight shows in a day. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I'll go, oh, what do you really enjoy? And they'll go, oh, there was that one with, and it's just the vaguest description. Yeah. And the only way they'll know what it was is because they'll go through their ticket stubs and remember the name of it. Yeah. Or they'll go, oh, is that one at the Pleasance? And, okay. you know. So, so you want when an audience encounter you to be meaningful? Not just meaningful, but like, I suppose memorable is, is the best word. But I think everyone wants that. Yeah. But I, I think, but so, so, I think uh, being funny isn't enough anymore. Uh, well, okay, so you're basically saying that there's going to be certain areas of comedy that are closed off to you. For instance, <laughs> you know, is what you're thinking <coughs> going to be a Friday, Saturday night thing? There is a particular audience. Are you talking about uh, clubs or are we talking about Edinburgh? No, I'm talking about clubs. I'm t- I mean, it sounds, it sounds like what you want to be is, is resolutely the festival, the fringe comic. That's where you can have your own hour, hour and 20 minutes, and you can really build up your own relationship with an audience rather than have to combat or ride the wave of another comic or compare on a Friday, Saturday night in front of a crowd who, let's face it, don't, don't, who you don't are. care. Yeah, don't I, care. They're just no, they so ungeared to, to <laughs> but, not care. But that's fine. Having a nice time, regardless if it's you or if it's somebody else. I think I think it was Phil, I was, uh, Nicole I was talking to about this, or, or even if it's not, he's someone to look at in this yeah. area. He does club work amazingly well Mm -hmm. and he writes great shows and he manages to balance the books on both those things and obviously does a lot of work outside of that as well Uh, and you know he's just one of many that I could I could pick but he's in my head at the moment so let's go with that I think it is possible to balance both but what you have to do to make that work is pick your gigs more strategically Mm -hmm. enjoy those gigs more which means that you kind of are going to put your energy into them more than more than you you know uh, you, when I wasn't before I started doing like Edinburgh and other festivals I was just doing club stuff and trying to get into gigs and things like that mm-hmm. and I still am up to a certain point to you know other clubs but if you're putting all your energy into that I've got friends of mine who are now in that circuit or on you know that sort of scene yeah. who hate the fact that they just do the same 20 minutes every night for six nights a week you know and that's you know not to the circuit at all because you know I've got friends of mine who love that mm-hmm. and and adore doing their twenty every you know sort of every other night and whatever I, I and and I love doing clubs there's you know but like I said to you off mic and I'm more than happy to put it on mic there are clubs I hate doing and I and I did for a while and I and I probably will avoid now but there are clubs I adore doing and I'm more than happy to crack out a twenty you know like a tight twenty minute or sure. or or a, or a much more loose formed but you know well constructed twenty minutes. To, to do those rooms because I, I love doing them. Yeah. So, but what you're, so what you're <clears> saying now is that you're making a, a, a quite a keen choice that personal comic development is the next step, which which I find I find uh, odd because we first met by doing essentially club stuff, but in more studenty, more intellectual crowds. Yeah. Uh, and I always found you to be so. Is, so it's odd that you are dissing past Simon <laughs> because I always thought you to be quite a like a decently self-reflective decently uh, emotionally perceptive smart comic I'll take uh, that what's going on a poster so, so, it's odd that, so it's odd that you're reacting against it like you don't think that that was or, or, or you don't think that it's enough of the personal quality that an audience can get from you let's let's put it in a, let's put it this way Okay, if you knew you were going to die in twenty years, mm-hmm. right, 
What would you want to do in the next 20 years? Um, well, that is quite a weighty question. What would you eliminate from your life right now that means that you would do more of the stuff you would do because you know that you've only got... <laughs> well, I would eliminate all the stuff that uh, gets me any money, <laughs> which means I'll be dead before 20 years. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> okay, well, the barrel's closed, guys. Okay. Uh, so, right. yeah, so, so, I, so I see what you mean. I, I, there is a, there is a, uh, you've obviously got to want to engage more with the pure comic sense that you want to, you want to do. I, so. I've, I think there's enough room to be more creative in this. Yeah. And I, and I think that business which I understand m more acutely than I would argue that I, I would like to anymore because thanks to this podcast, I'm phenomenally aware of how certain businesses work and how they operate and how TV works and all this kind of stuff, which is why I know, you know, the way I'm going, I'm probably not going to get on Life at the Apollo. The way I'm going, I know I'm not going to get a panel show thing. The, you know, the, 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 the coming to terms with things like that mean that you're a lot more free to go well, I'll just be really, really good, and they'll have to come knocking if they wanted me anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I th so I, so would you? Do you think you would have reached this if all you'd done is be a comic? No. Uh, you think it's the the process of creating this archive of industry? Well, these ask the industry archive. Yeah. Is, is is essentially this is what this is the culmination of all the work that you've done? Is that it's helped you to understand yourself better and what you want better in a way that you could not have done had it not been for recording these episodes yeah i mean all right well thanks for joining yeah. me simon that is uh <laughs> well let's 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 put it another way let's put it another way um let's say your your uh, let, let's say you know let's go back let's say to beehive days you know sort of three years ago four or five years whatever right and you're you're more interested at that point i presume at becoming a, a sort of moving up comedically mm -hmm. rather than running your own thing necessarily but you still do right if your aim at that point was to get on tv mm -hmm. and i told you right i've had enough chats with you know people in tv i can answer most questions mm -hmm. that you want to know yeah and I, and I probably have because i allow people to ask questions via me and I will ask them and if they'll let me put it out and they will allow it to be answered it can come out if I said to you right nicest way possible right now you won't get on TV because of a quota mm. or because they're, you live too far away from the studio that they're not flying in Edinburgh you know if you were Scottish in London they might take you you know or whatever the thing would be right? I'm not saying those are actual reasons but let's just say these are reasons right you would have to realign your plan to aim for the other targets in your career mm -hmm. and hope the other ones come back around based on the fact that you so for example with the radio 4 thing i've kind of and i said i said this going into the meeting with them i know you're not going to let me host it like if this all goes to plan i know who i am what i look like what i sound like where this is going i know that the the show you're adapting it to i'm not going to be on Right, I might be a guest on it, maybe, but I'm not going to host it. Right, I know I, know I get a, a producer credit, for example, but that doesn't really work well on a poster. Right, so I know that if I get in my foot in the door with that, and I carry on with this, and they carry on listening, and I hopefully don't piss them off or anything like that by saying something stupid, um, in five years' time, if I just carry on building an audience, I'll be at a stage where maybe I'll be in a better place where they know I can make a show. 
they've worked with yeah. me before and I'm so I've, so I've certainly heard this before uh, I've certainly heard mm. people from Radio Scotland uh, tacitly but also overtly say that um, you the, the, you know you said that Barry said they're not just they're not backing the horse they're backing the jockey um, I guess it's also about they're backing the stables <laughs> from which for which that jockey works as well. It's about the audience that you can bring to their medium as yeah. opposed to them championing you and trying to build you an audience for you. So they're looking for you to bring people with them. But they're um, a business, is the well, point. Well, so they're absolutely a business. They're absolutely a business. I, I, and, and, you, and, and you can't fault them for, for wanting... So, you know, in that meeting we were mm-hmm. discussing names and, and, you know, a little bit sort of saying that we'd love to have this person, this person on, whatever. The level that they would want guests on, let alone host... I can't get on. Sure. Like, people, you know... When so, yeah, so, so, ra- so radio aside then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it also sounds then that there's been a lot of uh, very uh, very decent, very uh, directionary information that you've received from the podcast. Mm. And it also sounds quite bittersweet as well. Is that, you know, there's been some hard truths about you as a comic or you even as a person that you've encountered. Uh, is, is there any particular instance? I mean, you know, way back at the beginning, did you want to be on Live of the Apollo? Did you want to be on Mock the Week? Yes and no. I I couldn't actually care less. Yeah. And and I know, you know, uh, there'll be a percentage of people listening to this who go, well, he's only saying that because he's not going to get on it. Sure. Or, or he's or he's just admitted he's comfortable with it. It's never been like when I started, my aim was literally just see if I could do it. Yeah. And and it was because I loved comedy and I wanted to know if I could actually do it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. Oh, I wonder if I could do the TV thing. Yeah. Um. You know, because it it just hadn't entered my thing. The main reason I wanted to do it is because at the time I was really, uh, you know, like when I was going through a period of moving up and all that stuff, my parents had no, there was no reference point for them to mm. be able to tell their friends. They would just go, he tells us it's going well. Yeah. And if they said, oh, he's been on live at the Apollo, even mm. if I was on it once, they could milk that for the rest of my life. Yes. And okay. they would not, and even if my career was on a downturn and I stopped and whatever, they would always bring that one thing up. Mm. Right. So for me, it was more for them Mm -hmm. if you like um which is not the best reason to go after something i if i was given the option right now like if someone said we want you on i would probably turn it down Mm -hmm. if in a couple of years time they offered it to me and i still felt like how i feel now i would probably take it on but that's only because at the moment i don't want more i don't want that amount of attention on me sure in that way now that sounds really self-defeating in in this Mm. Ghost. Enjoy Hello. The, audio, the sexy man's here. Down the stairs. Uh, upstairs, mate. Upstairs, okay. Do you say it just a little bit louder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the timing came so good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sexy man is definitely here. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> the sexy lad. Mm. Um, where was I? I, I but my my point being, uh, I can't remember what I was saying. The point being that you were essentially following a pathway that you thought was the pathway of comedy. Yeah. As opposed to the one that you want. And what you're finding now is you've come to the crossroads and you want to pursue your way through the magic forest. I, <laughs> which mm. is for you. Which is for you. Which is That's for you. what I call it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just... There are comedians... So, and I can name them if you want, but there are comedians I look up to sure. because of how they artistically perform. 
and how they okay. Well, I can't imagine that this is a this is a place of insult. So you want to name some comics? No, that's right. Well, if we start with Kitson, for example, sure. I think he artistically displays things very articulately. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, I just I just think the way that he says ideas, I think, is really good. Um. I'll be honest. I've I've only been a fan for about a year and a half. Mm. I haven't I haven't seen all of his stuff, but what I have seen, I like. Um. Stuart Lee is someone who. Currently, I haven't seen much for about a year, maybe a year and a half. I want to go and see his new stuff. But there was a period for about two years where, uh, first of all, I was seeing a lot of imitators, of which I got compared to as mm-hmm. a competition. Sure. <laughs> they, said I, they said I was a skinny version of Stuart Lee, which I thought was just, why are you insulting him? Like, why are you bringing him into this sure, for no sure. reason at all? There's no reason. To, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was dieting. So I never particularly much. got that from you. What a skinny! <laughs> no, I <laughs> never, I never particularly got the the Stuart Lee vibe. <coughs> they 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 said I was they said I was. Uh, I remember the review because I found it really funny. Um, it's Julia Chamberlain, and she said uh, he is deliberately suppressing all emotion, which makes it hard for you to connect with him uh, on a deeper level. Right. But he has amazing writing or great writing. Mm-hmm. And I I think I emailed her about it because I was like, I don't think I'm suppressing my. Like I, I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like I ever. Re- I, I when I started, I was very much a deadpan one-liner. Yeah. So I'd agree with it then, but this was 2014 or something. So it's like three or four years in. I, I'd sort of given up on one-liners by mm-hmm. that point. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I, I mean, I can name some more. I, I think I, I think the world of Beck. I think she's amazing at what she does and how she does it. And and I think uh, Louisa Omelan, um, uh, the, the the passion behind her performances mm-hmm. uh, and the way that she. Uh, often will do so it's not you know sometimes it's it's in the performance that it's funny yeah like you couldn't listen to a louisa d like album sure. and get it all because you've got to see her and how she does it and i think that's important as well um uh, um yeah so um you know there's it's it's a lot of uh I don't know. I, I, I just I just want to I just want to be good at art- I'm not doing it right now. I just want to be good at articulating a a thought and a feeling mm-hmm. and why something pisses me off yeah. and why it's. Fu- I think the best I've done it so far. I don't know if you remember this joke was the pancakes uh, for equality joke about uh, why I hate International Women's Day because because it it's a reminder of how shit men are. Okay. And and I compared women only getting one day a year to how many days we give pancakes. Yeah. And and then then compared it to Shark Week. Yeah. And then did my own little Martin Luther King sort of esque yeah. speech. I think that's the best I've done it so far. Yeah. Um there's a there's a joke in my current show which I think's better than that. And I unfortunately struggle to do it in clubs because I need them to know a bit more about me than yeah. I get time to do. Yeah, so so going back to it, it seems like what you're trying to cultivate is more the uh, the artistic festival show as opposed to the 20-minute club set. Yes. That's where you're aiming with writing. That's where you're aiming with a performance hope. Are you telling me I'm not on tonight? Is that <laughs> <laughs> well, I look after this conversation, I look forward to you, a Friday night Edinburgh crowd. Uh, is, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about living in London, because <laughs> I know how much Edinburgh audience is. Oh, don't, don't worry, I think most people are English on the bill this evening. Oh, so good, good, uh, good. I mean, good. Don't want to yeah. be around those Scottish comedians. Uh, uh, <laughs> who have we got? No, we've got a Glasgow guy, we've got a Mancunian Asian guy, uh, we've got you. Uh, we've got a Glasgow <laughs> woman. Got you. So. <laughs> no, no hooks there. Yeah, for you. sad, 
skinny but, emo comic wannabes. That's what you're talking about here. But even there, but even then though, and this is not a diss at you, and, I, and I'm sure you didn't book it like this. Think about how you've described them, yeah. right? You know, you can easily, you know, if if you wanted to be on TV, right? If mm. they if they've got, they, put this way, for variety's sake, yeah. they just couldn't have. You know, I mean, they probably do still sometimes, but they probably couldn't have six white men across a panel yeah. all looking roughly the same who all do roughly the same thing. Sure. You would have to randomly go, right, we're going to do one from the North. There's an accent in there. We have to do one from, you know, uh, what, mm. an ethnic comedian. We'd have to have a female because you, you, th- there's a million reasons why you would have to do that sort of thing. And Oh, we just booked who was available. I, I, yeah, so that's, that's, no, that's not like we've fulfilled our... Not our, you, our not you. Thing. But I'm saying that if you were booking for a TV show... Sure you could describe people like that. And when you describe what I do, mm-hmm. I don't think many people have a two-word or one-word thing that yeah. goes before me. I mean, you could go white male, yeah. but that describes so many people now that almost that doesn't come into it. Yeah. So, I've, so I think already what I've done with this and with my other podcasts and with uh, you know the sort of audience I'm cultivating it takes them maybe 20 seconds to convince a friend to come and see me. Yeah. Which is not a problem because I'd rather shake off people who are, you know, oh, let's do it. Who are not going to be invested in ideas. Yes. Um, So I I come off like a prick in this. I literally feel like I'm going to hate this edit because I feel like I'm going to be listening back going, mate, you've just got jokes. Okay, so so what I'd maybe like to move on to talking about because I think, because we we are trying to celebrate... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm well, happy this, this bo- it's a quite considerable body of work that you've put together yeah, uh, okay. uh, and with uh, I mean I mean just looking through some names of the people <laughs> that you've had on uh, it's worth going over because I think people can what's your see f- the word one or see the number 100 but they don't quite know what that equates to what's your favorite episodes let's pick those out uh, well well, <laughs> well no let's just go through it so you've had people like David Quantic who mm-hmm. uh, is a, a satirical comic and writer uh, TV uh, and radio Brass eye and stuff like that. Uh, Bruce Desso um, mm-hmm. uh, reviewer uh, Louisa Omelan we talked about Jeff Whiting yeah. um, a promoter Martha Fourth Comedy uh, Beck Hill's been on yeah, uh, yeah. Joe Lysett's been on amazing guy um, Kate Copstick reviewer yep um, who else have we got here? Uh, Daryl Martin, uh, head of Just a Tonic Comedy Club. Aidan Goatley, uh, Toby Haydock. Um, lovely, lovely. Man. So they're, they're, I feel know, like I should give Adam, everyone a compliment. Adam Bloom, Karen Corrin, Errol yeah. Oaken McPerrin, Robert Popper, Daniel Sloss, uh, Armando Iannucci, um, The Parapod, uh, like a podcast about podcasts I mean like, yeah, there's, 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 there really yeah. is any uh, who else have we got um, it, it, I Ben you, Venables Barry Ferns and Sarah Pierce Michael Redman so you've like you really have roped in a quite considerable raft of people to create this I think what I'd like to do is now talk about how how any of that has changed the mechanics maybe maybe it's probably too nebulous to talk about how you will proceed from here sure. but how have the mechanics of how you put together a show how you put together you as a comic changed uh, by these individual interviews so let's start with writing so mm. you've got what two shows two festival shows under your belt yeah so let's talk about that okay. festivals as opposed to just club sets because um, <laughs> I hate clubs <laughs> I, so, so I, I would presume that the uh, the amount of writing that goes into a club set is not just because it's a smaller duration on stage mm. but it's, it's also because it's more about the honing it as opposed yeah. to generating new material yeah um what is your pro? This is, I mean, this is something a very comedian's comedian, but I, th- yeah. I think we should delve into it because okay. this is more than anything a resource for people to learn what fits for them okay. as developing comics. 
when you're when you've been writing, yeah. when you're going to start writing, what what how what's the Simon process there? The current process. Well, the current I'm process, and has it been has it been yeah, uh, yeah, educated yeah. by any other writers or the uh, directors that you've spoken to? Very, yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. So the first show I did, which I wouldn't even call a show, was uh, called Challenge Accepted, mm -hmm. and it was in twenty thirteen, fourteen, thirteen. Oops, shit. Uh, and it was literally 28 jokes and I brought the audience in and I said pick a number and I'll do that joke and it was kind of a choose your own comedy thing mm -hmm. and it was largely because I'd been writing for about a year and a half for it and none of the jokes had any connection they were just what I was thinking about and what I found funny at the time sure again and was, was it was like, it jokes in the sense of the joke the setup and the punchline or was it anecdotal uh, was the biographical stuff that all came kinds out? right okay. it was all kinds it was, it was just surreal. a hodgepodge of yeah comedic writing yeah some of it was surreal some of it had props involved some of it had uh, just one-liner punchy stuff you know so sometimes they go 15 it'd just yeah. be a one-liner go like that next number and we'd move on sure some of it would be like 26 and it'd be a five-minute sure. joke and so how did you that. assemble all that then uh, literally it was just 18 months of just writing right. um so um, yeah just every day or, or at least every couple of days writing whatever i found funny whatever i thought was funny sure. and then throwing out whatever was not there and then i i tried to put it into a narrative and it just didn't work and there's no point in trying to force a narrative on something because you know okay. it, it's just not there so so, 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 the, so the classic uh, a lot of people's debut at a given festival yeah. is the longer club set three 20 minutes yeah. I usually. speak a lot about masturbating it's going to yeah. be a show about <laughs> masturbating yeah, yeah. no one's done that yeah um, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So yeah, so, so uh, you know, I did that and, and I did that uh, around the year my granddad died and I, and I took uh, a bucket up from 
uh, prostate cancer and I gave all the proceeds to them. I, I uh, The best thing about that was it taught me to budget sure. for Edinburgh because if, I, if you know going up to Edinburgh that every penny goes into a bucket you can't open because mm. it's one of those charity ones, you literally will lose every penny. Mm. So as a result, I, I had to work around that as a limitation. Um, I think uh, I did it with Freestival and I got quite a good deal with them at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I was staying in a very cheap place. I can't remember what it was, but I think in total it cost me about 1,100 pounds, which is quite low for a free fringe show. Um, I mean, obviously food and everything else on top, but that's the show costs. Um, then I then I wrote Buddhism and Cats, which took about maybe eighteen months to two years after that to write. That was my that was literally two years of my life in an hour, is the way I kind of tell people now. Because it was it was a relationship I was having, which meant I didn't need to write a narrative because it was my life. Sure. Um there were only a few things that needed to be hyperbolied, which was quite useful. Um in hindsight the relationship was not the best one for me, and I think they'll even admit that themselves, partly because they did the ending, so they probably knew it better than I did. Um, but yeah, so so um, for me, it was a height, you know, I've not had a relationship like that since, thankfully, and it's it was heightened everything more than most other relationships I've had. So, so what everyone was thinking was hyperbole was actually quite genuine, mm -hmm. which um, in hindsight I should have seen. So for me that was quite useful in some sense that you know I realized that my perspective on things isn't necessarily everyone's. Then after I did that show I tried to get a show at the Fringe in 2016, didn't get it so I went on tour and that's when I started writing last year's show because while you're running around touring you kind of got a little bit of opportunity to do club sets and, and other bits that you can try out extra jokes in and stuff. Um, the way that process worked was um, I was heavily immersed at the time in in the industry and in the industry side of things um in answer to your other question in fact i've had two agents tell me to my face they couldn't do any more for me than what i'm already doing they, they just wouldn't take me on because they're like you you know i've already got eight acts ten acts whatever mm -hmm. i don't have the time and energy to put into your career in the same way you're doing it you're out meeting people all the time you're scripting things all the time you're you know producing more content than some of my acts already you know, you, you you don't need me, mm -hmm. um, which is a nice thing to hear. First time, yes. <laughs> Second okay. time, you ask yourself the question: What are they telling you? Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm I'm sure they're not. You know, I'm still friends with both of them, so I'm pretty sure they're not bullshitting me. Right. Okay. Um, you know, it, 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 again, it's a business move for their part. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, so uh, that's the reason why this show. Even its title, "Laughter Is the Best Placebo," it, it's very in jokey, and and you know, I mean, the the I think you saw one of the dog shit previews I did in London. Um, you know, the the the, the early jokes, and I think I think the second joke in was something like, you know, the you have to start with your second best joke and end with your best joke. Mm -hmm. So here comes fifty five minutes of filler. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know, if you're not a performer, you're not aware that that's a lot of the structure of a show, mm -hmm. and it breaks it down very quickly for me to go right because normally comedians laugh at that, but audiences go. Why is he putting down the show this early on? And it's sort of not meant to be putting it down. It's me just acknowledging that you know <laughs> we're all we're all following this really weird carbon copy. And it, I feel like, yes. in hindsight, that was me getting very frustrated with me sort of following what I thought I had to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so I wrote that, did that in Edinburgh, toured that for three months, and since then I wrote about yeah about twenty minutes worth of material mm -hmm. that I've been doing at clubs and uh, around the place. 
since Edinburgh, so, so sort of September. I tend to, this is why I'm doing a, a or hoping to do a selection show this year in Edinburgh. I tend to do material for next year's show as a, you know, in spots around Edinburgh, so that if anyone comes to see the show, they don't hear 10 minutes of it somewhere else and then come and see a sick for the show twice. Because sure, okay. that seems a little bit like I'm ripping them off. I understand why people do it, yeah. but I just don't like doing it. So as a result of doing, what, 100 spots in Edinburgh 2017 or yeah. whatever, I was able to write 20 minutes fairly quickly and then bed it down over the time when okay. I was doing club spots. So again, it makes it sound, if I may say, it makes <laughs> it sound that the podcast has been something bittersweet for you. Yeah. It sounds that you have personally grown by analysing your own comic and career trajectory as a po- uh, but with that taking a little longer of a process because you were immersed in glad handing yeah. <laughs> via a podcast with the industry and so, 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 so I find that very interesting I find that uh, that what do, what do I want to say what do I want to say uh, I, I don't know I, can, I, can I interrupt you for a second yeah, yeah okay so imagine this yeah. right imagine you well let, let me interrupt you oh, counter interrupt you is that I'm trying to find a positive way <laughs> of not asking you it sounds like you regret the whole thing <laughs> no no um, <laughs> mate okay of all the people I know on the circuit, yeah. you can ask me anything, <laughs> and, I, and I'm probably going to answer it. Yeah, um, you, you, you know, um, I don't regret it at all. Okay, um, it, but it, it sounds like the the road to Damascus comedy moment has not come because of a greater comic industry figure. No, awakening okay. you. It's just been in a re, in in an opposite reaction to information you've had. You've just you've you've come across the true Simon Cain. So, okay, right, if you're. If you're a comic listening to this, or, or, or you're Ben sitting here, right? Imagine this, right? Imagine you're a, a comedian with no representation in any way, mm-hmm. right? So you are completely independent yeah. from anything, right? Which sounds like a very bohemian lifestyle mm-hmm. and a very dreamy, ooh, look at me, Kitson-esque thing. I'm an indie artist, mate. The, the reality is it's a lot of fucking work and emails. Yes. Um, but imagine that, right? But imagine that you could email people in industry mm-hmm. and ask for their advice ask them questions both on and off the record mm-hmm. you wouldn't there was no way that you wouldn't be guided by a lot of different opinions sure which are all based both on their personal preferences but also the business that they're representing so it's not bittersweet it's just uh, and one of my favorite episodes if you're interested, is the episode 40 with Ian Coyle uh, of Dave and UK Gold, sure. where the first thing he said to me, because I thought this would take longer to get out of the you know sort of conversation with him, because at the time I'd done a few interviews with people from the BBC, and constantly they were saying we're a public broadcaster, public broadcaster, public broadcaster, blah blah blah. It was it was a very hard line that they have to do what the public wants. If you know yeah. enough members of the public do a petition for more religious shows, they will have to do more religious shows. Yeah. That's the way it works. The Dave one was the first commercial station that I'd done, which meant that I kind of wanted to know where is that different. And the first thing he said to me when we sat down was, can you not bill me as a commissioner? I'm an ad man. I, all I have to do is be able to prove that we can sell ads on it. Mm-hmm. And if we can sell an ad on it, we can make it. The amount of friends of mine who have amazing show ideas that I can't make because there's no way an ad or an advertiser will put an ad on that, mm-hmm. on our channel at least. I can't do it. 
and it drives me insane every day because I'll get an email from a friend and I'll go, ah, oh, oh, and he'll be frustrated about the fact that he can't help that person out. Mm-hmm. And yet there'll be a million ideas that come his way that he maybe doesn't like as much or that he believes in less. And that's not putting down any shows on there at all. You sure. know, I mean, there, there are hundreds of, you know, Dave Gorman's Modern Life, he was is very proud of the fact that he yeah. made so many of those and he loves that show. And I think that show's absolutely outstanding, mm-hmm. right? But unfortunately, when you represent a business, there's there's that kind of thing. So it, I don't regret it. I just think it's like when you're dating, right? When the first time you go on a date with someone, you're more excited about being able to tell people you're on a date than actually going on the date, I think. Mm-hmm. By your 30th year of being single and a bachelor and divorced and all that kind of stuff, you kind of know enough about it that you're, you're sort of a bit guarded yeah. and you're a bit aware of the situation and you're sort of aware of the limitations of where you will be able to go and what your hard limits are and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So I don't think I hate, I, you know, I, okay. I, so, so going forward, I'm yeah. going to carry on with this podcast. I'm yeah. going to take a small black break after this, but I'm, I'm going to carry on with it. And I've yeah. got some, honestly, guests that I have previously tried to get hold of who haven't replied who are now coming on. Yeah. So I'm over the moon that it's established enough that some people are coming on and excited about it and stuff, which is great. So, I, I you know, I'm not going anywhere and, I, and it's going to be here for as long as I can okay. financially make it work. So, okay, so looking at that first 100 then, uh, and again, we'll <coughs> couch it in your own development. Um, what episodes stick out for you as being uh, awakening, useful, you'd happily, if you were just a listener, you'd happily recommend that episode because you find a great degree of truth and it helped you in a particular direction you were happy to go in. Uh, and I guess opposite of that, what episodes would you go, actually, that was deeply unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, I, and I ask that not to make the whole the whole body of work sound negative, but I think what we've determined here is that you've, through this process, you've grown to to know exactly what you don't want and what is crap. Yeah, yeah. As much as this has been extraordinarily useful mm. and uh, provocative in the right sort of way. I, so I'll give you an example. I'm trying to get on the woman who runs the... You're trying to get on the woman yeah. who runs the... Yeah, who runs, <laughs> the, who runs my motor. Yeah. No, uh, no, I'm... Tr- uh, uh, I've forgotten her name. That's really bad. But she runs the all-female comedy festival. Uh, I think it's in Oxford. Right. Um, and I, I want to get her on because I've just had uh, Maureen Younger on who mm-hmm. took over one of her gigs. And sure. It was interesting to talk to her about all-female gigs because for me it's it's really interesting to... to hear that side of it because obviously I don't I'm on those gigs I don't sure. go to those gigs yeah. if at all and so I don't really understand that area of it and for me that's interesting um, the thing I didn't like about the episode of Maureen was the reaction I got um, I, I the day it came out I think I had about a dozen tweets from female people both comedians and people who just listen sure all of whom were like thank you for doing this thank you for representing all that kind of stuff and then I got a few DMs from people who were like, uh, one person commented on the YouTube video and just called me sexist and said that I was promoting sort of uh, internal sex, you know, like reverse sex, all that kind of stuff. And I didn't bother engaging with it because I, I, I... Well, by I, supporting the idea of having all, all female, female yeah, nights. Yeah. Okay. I, and to be honest with you, I didn't support or come out against it. My, my I said to her, as I, as I say on the pod, I'm going to take devil's advocate positions on this that I don't necessarily believe in and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you questions that I'm sure you've been asked before and I did about you know do you think they're worth having do you think they're even needed anymore what will they, you know do you think they segment people all that kind of stuff and I was really happy with how she had all those questions and how it went 
for me, stuff like that really frustrates me because it happens all the time. So, you know, I've, I've had guests come on before where they've said, you, you know, they've said something that's personally offended someone and they've gone, I can't believe you'd have that person on. They did a joke about rape two years ago yeah. and I can't, you know, or oh, I can't believe that you had that person on. They commissioned a thing with someone who, you know, uh, did, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? When I'm doing research for guests, I'm, you know, at this stage in the pod, I'm looking for a story. I'm looking for something interesting that I think will last sort of an hour of, of and keep your attention. I don't, I, I do do enough research that most things come out in that area, right? And there are, there's probably, I think there's four now episodes I've recorded that will never see the light of day mm-hmm. because I've found stuff out since, because there's been issues with it. With one, there was a legal issue where I nearly got sued and I, they'll never come out. And, and I, I, I refuse to publicly say who these people are because it's not worth my time to get sued. I don't have the money for this to work anyway, let alone sure. that. Um, so for me, there have been episodes and there's been a lot of shit behind the scenes that I don't tell people about mm-hmm. that, that have made it not worth it. Okay. And there are days where, you know, I'll spend two days editing something and then I'll get... So with that one, two days editing and doing the rounds that they offered and then getting an email from their solicitor going, actually, we've changed our mind. It misrepresents the person. We don't want it out. If you do that, okay. we'll see. So, 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 so this is getting in a quite a raw area again. <laughs> Again. Sorry, no, no. So, so what does make it worthwhile? Okay, so let's go to the positive episode. Yeah, okay. Um, I figured let's let's go positive at the end. Yeah. Um, so the the Ian Coyle one. I adore because that. because and, and before you start this, in case it starts drifting towards the negative again, mm. uh, I personally think it's an incredibly worthwhile endeavor. Like you have put together an archive where. If you wanted to start from well, maybe not start from scratch from comedy. I don't think that's a terrible idea. If you, like, <laughs> I just, wouldn't start now. Just, if I was starting now, I probably wouldn't. Now, now that I know everything, I know. Okay, but <laughs> I think if you have the want to do it, mm. there is something in there. There's a how-to guide essentially of how to do everything to get you to your first. Let's say if Edinburgh is the goal for somebody over the course of a year, uh, I think there's an ex- it's an extraordinarily helpful body of work, which is is you've said that it's obviously the offshoot of a lot of other podcasts. You know, like there are there are similar things in other areas, but there isn't really something like this within comedy. A lot of them are just chats with. Uh, primarily comics about the artistic process. There's very little looking at the the business side, which this is. I mean, this is as a body of work. This is what I think is most important for. Uh, it, it is the learning the PR. It's learning the advertisement. It's learning to focus. It's learning to be goal orientated. Uh, it's learning to to maximize your efficiency and to you know it, it, <laughs> to check your hopes at the door I, 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 in I, I favor hate. of reality i think there's something there's something very um realistic and essential in this body of work i hate to quote my own book yeah but in the intro i say it's called show business for a reason yeah and it's 50 percent business and 50 percent show you need a product to sell but you also really need to know how to sell that product. Yeah, okay. And I don't care if you've got an agent. I don't care if you've got PR. I don't care if you've got a marketing team behind you. If you can't hold your own in an interview, mm-hmm. you can't sell the idea. So, you know, I'm getting better at it. I'm not the best at it. But when, you know, if someone sits me down in, a, in an interview and says to me, so what's the show about? And I go, 
uh, and I don't have a snappy one-line pitch or even a pre-rehearsed, well, it's, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, in, even in the edit, they're not going to make you sound amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. So, you know, a PR can get you so far. They can get your knee in the door. They can get you, you sort of pushed through the door if you need to be. Mm-hmm. But you then have to be the one that does the work. Yeah. They can't sell you if you don't know how to sell you. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, again, going back to dating. If you can't make yourself come, how well. are they meant to learn? So <laughs> I just, I, I just yeah. think... I just think... So, yeah. Um, in, in, so, sorry... Positive episodes. Um, Ian Coyle, love that episode. Sure. That, that taught me more about TV than, than I think anything else. Um, the more recent one with Hattrick Productions, um, that that was really interesting. I, I've been a fan of Hattrick Productions for ages, and I was really, really glad mm-hmm. they got back to me and got me on. Uh, so it got me in the door. Uh, Caustic's episode, I really liked. I really, really liked being able to talk to someone who's been doing reviewing for so mm-hmm. long and, and has seen more shows than I will ever see. Yeah. And knows more about reviewing than anyone else. So, you know, she polarizes people for a million other reasons. But mm-hmm. if you, you can't really fault her, her diligency towards the art and yeah. to trying to improve situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I massively enjoyed the episode with you guys. I know that sounds like I'm brown nosing. <laughs> but frankly, how, how many times did I email you to try and get you on before, we, before you, you sort of went, we've got to wait a bit. And I know now because you were trying to get this stuff off the ground. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But I, I probably spoke to you about four times to get you on because I, I knew how good you are at promoting and I know how much you love comedy. And, and how much it means to you. Yeah. And so I wanted you on when you were Beehive Days. Yeah. And now Barrel Days. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, thank you very much. That's you're that. very welcome. <laughs> so, so I did enjoy I did being part of that. I did enjoy being part of that. I did enjoy contributing to that. It's a shame John was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, John did John as well. So it's, uh, no, no. Um, I, I really enjoyed the one with Karen Corrin. Yeah. Because at the time... She was getting a lot of shtick for a taking over a free venue mm-hmm. um, or a free fringe venue and the pay what you want model. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, th- we sat down. The first thing I said to her was, "Can we talk about the pay what you want model?" And uh, the reason the intro to that uh, the podcast before I even done the the sort of uh, intro bit to that is her going, "Just get to know me." Yeah, was because uh, you know before we'd started the episode, she was having a problem with her iPhone. I was showing her how to do something on it, and you know, she's a lovely woman. And, and say what you want about her taking over a venue that she owned 20 years ago, whatever, right? She gives a shit. And I don't care that it's a for-profit one, it's a big four one, all that kind of crap like that. She does give a shit about the axe and she does give a shit about her business. And it's her business to give a shit about the axe. You know, regardless of that being a tautology, you know, it makes sense. Yes. So, so I was really happy with that episode in that the edit of that was a bit reversed because it was kind of like I'd put in a bit from the middle at the start and then done the intro and then backwards mm-hmm. because partly because I knew it would make people listen mm-hmm. and partly because I wanted people to know that she's probably fed up with hearing these odd little rumours about her. Um, same with the Jeff Whiting episode. One of the best things we covered in that was um, the Jenny Collier thing about her getting an email saying there are too many women on the bill. Mm-hmm. And dumb, dumb email. Stupid thing to say. Stupid thing to do. You know, uh, I... I you know, he explained it. I, there are elements of the explanation that, that warranted further questioning in hindsight, and there are elements of it that make it make sense as to why it happened. And I don't want to get into it right now. It's not like a thing I want to talk about too much. But the fact that he got to have his say, because all her say was, I've got this email. Mm-hmm. What a shitty thing to do. 
And I completely agree on paper, that is a very shitty thing to do. And I still think it's a shitty thing to do. But at that point, he hadn't said anything. And his company hadn't said anything or explained anything. And he told me on that episode, he literally, his wife had just left him that morning as well. And he didn't know that email had been sent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to give him sympathy. It's, you know, it's business and personal there and you can't mix the two too much. But can you with comedy? Because it's well, such a personal one. Well, Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. One is going to bleed into the exactly. other. Exactly. Especially when it's that serious of a situation for yeah. someone and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, for me, that was that was an eye-opening experience to see a promoter who, until that point, I had seen as this sort of hard-nosed businessman running yeah. a million clubs and, you know, the amount of rumours you hear about him, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he only books drivers, oh, he only does this, he books women on quotas, all this kind of crap. For him to just sit down and say, you know, if, if one comedian doesn't get a big gig because, you know, 200 people have emailed for it, and then another one meets that comedian and they have a chat and they both have come up with the same idea, out of nowhere it's true. And I think we're all been guilty of that. Mm-hmm. We've all been guilty of going, I think what I think is true. Let's find one other person to back it. It's the same in society today. You know, in our little echo chambers, I'll post something up on Facebook and go, hey, this, that, and this. And they'll go, oh, you're right. And I'll true. go, right facts out the window my feeling is correct and it's not yeah okay so that so that sounds like something as a presenter of a podcast you find uh, you, you find a degree of pride in I guess bringing it back to the the, the question I'd like to understand is well maybe I'm com- so I'm trying to work out so why am I asking you how you've developed as a comic over this period? Is because I feel like there are enough people that I know who have developed as comics or taken strategic or important steps in their career, uh, either artistic or business, because of things that they've learned on your podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm, I'm trying to wonder if the person who created that body of work has also had that similar experience, or is there is there something completely... Is that, have I been, over the course of this, asking completely the wrong things? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this now. So, um, I, I know about a dozen people who are currently gigging mm-hmm. who told me before they started... The reason they started was they found this. They were thinking about doing it, yeah. and they thought they could do it. One of them, who's a friend of mine who's just won a really big award, he said uh, he, he openly said to me, he came to a gig of mine and said, uh, "Yeah, I've started gigging. It was because because uh, I listened to your podcast." And I went, "Oh, thanks, mate." He went, "Yeah, I thought if you could do it, I could do it." And I was like, <laughs> right, "Thanks, mate. That's okay. really nice. I mean, we're good friends. Don't get me wrong. So I, you know, it's not a problem." But I was just like, "Ah, oh, it's, uh, it's good to know that people think oh, if he can do it." Yeah. Um, but uh, the the way. The, the way I take in this information is I, I need more time to process it. Because, sure. because for me, I'm just, you, you know, it's like when you edit a podcast. Yeah. You, you have the interview, you're spending all the time looking at the levels, looking at the questions, making sure you don't forget anything, making sure you get them in the right order, making sure the guest is happy, making sure the guest level's fine, all that kind of stuff. Then when you're doing the edit, you, make, you listen through it, you do all your points, you cut out all the bits that are crap, you cut out all the ums, you, um, I've then got to go through it one more time and make the show notes, I've then got to upload the thing, do the intro, do the outro, put, you know... You, you're not necessarily listening to it and taking it in. Uh, I have to go through it in a proof edit and listen to it as if I am listening to it for the first time, Mm -hmm. which in many ways I am. Um, And I'm sort of taking a minute and I'm going, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that's boring. I'll take that bit. Oh, that's not that interesting. Oh, he's repeated that there. Because I'm not, you know, fully in it. Um, So it has informed how I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of put me off trying to get on TV Mm -hmm. and trying to do that. It's, 
made me more interested in the ra- radio medium. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently a, a scoop, if you like. I'm currently starting to work with a friend of mine to do a, um, a, a six-part sort of... It, it's it's sort of a dark anthology, but it's a radio-based one, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's sort of... Uh, it's, it's just a weird idea I've had um, that, that they're very good at sort of helping me write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've got another idea for a, a load of... Um, they're sort of 10-minute shorts of what serial killers do on their days off. Mm-hmm. So, like, it starts after the murder. What they sure. would do that 24 hours. It's kind of a dark thing um, about, you know, buying more rope because they're out of rope now. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. like, and, like, taking their time over sort of sending the new email to the police and, you know, sort of all the sort of in-betweeny jokey bits and stuff. Because yeah. um, I'm just fascinated by serial killers. I think they're, they're amazing. So... Um, but yeah, so it's it informed me to go that route and say, look, I will build an audience for what I'm doing. And that way, when I talk to TV person, I can go, hey, this video has got 30,000 views, 50,000 views, 100,000 views. Have a watch of it because I think it'd be great if we could work together and make it a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Rather than going, hey, I've got a script, put it forward. Now, I'm aware that I'm in a privileged position in that, you know, I still have a day job, essentially. It's a writing job, but it's a day job. I uh, have an ability to bring in an income from stand-up as well as from writing. And and because I'm now back at home, my bills are a lot lower than some other people's. And so I can invest money in things like that. And I can take a bit more time over stuff like that. I'm aware of the privilege that I have that other people don't have that facility. What I'm not happy about is the number of people I had someone the other day say to me um, oh hey can I ask you a few questions about Edinburgh and as always I go yeah sure what do you want to know and they said well I just don't think I can write an hour do you think it, you know like right now I haven't written it so do you think it's worth you know pushing myself or do you because I just have never written an hour so I just don't I just don't think I could and I was like if right now you're saying to yourself I can't write an hour mm-hmm. that's the smallest part of this process right now you know what I mean like the amount of shit you have to put up with on your way to Edinburgh if you're thinking, I couldn't even have the hour sorted, get the hour sorted and then find Edinburgh. Yeah. Sign up later. Um, you know, there was someone who said to me the other day, oh, uh, I, I don't know how mics work for podcasting. And I said, but, you, you know, you've got a phone. Like, record it on your phone. It's not the best audio quality, I grant you. And, you know, that'll put a few people off. But start there. Like, there's no, there's, you know, just because I've got, what sort of a four hundred pound recorder and and two eighty pound mics? <laughs> I don't like money bags. No, well, well, no you, say, you say that, but it's come out of patrons donating, the, sure. and I've saved up that money. It's it's not the first recorder I had was eighty quid, and it, and it was literally the bottom end of the Zoom range, and and it worked fine. And mm. it you know don't get me wrong, it's better now. But the point is, is that um, you can do a lot more with a lot less now, and mm. it still looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to what I was saying before with the stand-up thing. Even a lighting change, even a, a, a simple, you know, music cue that you put on something. I remember, I can't remember the comedian, but they did a, they did a thing where they jokingly did a, a gunshot thing. And it was just a boing noise, yeah. right? And I pissed myself for about 10 minutes. Because I was expecting, like, a proper... Like, and I was expecting yeah. them to do it with their mouth. And they weren't. They did it with, like, a foot pedal thing where they pressed it. And it... Yeah. And I was like, that is... It's not genius, but it's such a little moment that... And it stuck with me. I saw, it was Max and Ivan. I saw Max and Ivan do a joke about... In fact, it was a joke about being a baker. I don't know if this was clear <laughs> what you're thinking. But he... Max did a joke about it. 
um, and Ivan swung around the stage on his like on these shoes that had little wheels in it, and from the ceiling a bread fell down, and he was a baker out of nowhere. And I pissed myself for ages about that. I was like, who thinks to put a trap door in the ceiling that will make a loaf of bread fall at that point every day for the for the duration <laughs> of the fringe? It's an amazing little moment yes. that sticks with you, and you think. Fuck me! They've taken a moment to make that bigger. They've yeah. made that. Be- they've made that that better because yes, they could have just said he's a baker now, but instead of doing that, they made a loaf of bread fall from the bloody ceiling. And don't. And how much do you reckon that cost to do? Oh, yeah. Really? Like how much? How much do you cost to to make? I don't, a know, little- I don't know anyone in the trapdoor business. Well, so. that's good to know for tonight's gig. Uh, but <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like how how much does it cost really to to have a a a a, a a button in your pocket that you press that makes a noise. We've all got those fart noise things in your thing. You just adapt that. Yeah. You know, how, how much does it cost to have, you know, just, just a flat door thing on a button that you, that you don't even need to be that far from you. It's going to skate underneath it and whatever. It's, it's little things that make little differences and, and, and take you away from being just that comedian to that comedian. Okay, so it seems like that more than the live experience is the road to Damascus moment yeah <laughs> that you've oh, I love the life had. okay more than anything yeah because well, I, I don't know how you feel about podcasting in this way but let me ask you this right anyone listening to this in the world that when it's out there mm-hmm. is consuming the past they're not living now they are do you know what I mean oh my god no 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 but do you know what I mean like when you're on Facebook and you're just scrolling along you're literally going into the past you're dredging up yes history of everything so I find that I'm quite acutely aware of that on Instagram yeah when uh, because when I started Instagram uh, or when I was first it used to be chronological Mm. uh, and now there seems to be you know like it's like uh, oh that's a really nice it's not snowing is it and then it's like oh it's your pal from like five days ago when it was snowing yeah 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 but it's presented to you as if yeah Al- alongside something from two hours ago yeah. alongside something from one day ago yeah know. so yeah so I absolutely get that so I don't know why I took so long to explain it no. with, uh, with the Instagram chat no it's fine it's fine we, we're, we're acutely aware of social media right now so we're, we're, we, can, we can talk about it in that so that is our jobs basically so it is basically our day jobs yeah. um, but, but the point I'm trying to make is um, when it's live if you and don't get me wrong you've got to prepare a certain amount of stuff to take on stage especially in a show but there's there's room because of the the people in there hopefully that you can do more with them that you couldn't you know you you could just have a moment with them that is just theirs because they were there that night Mm -hmm. you can have you know i've been trying to do this thing i i do so uh from sort of november december january i do what i call focus groups which is essentially where i have people come in and watch a preview but i don't want to call it a preview yet because it's not quite there and then i and but they're allowed to get involved but you do want to call it a focus group yeah well that sounds like a laugh riot well it, it does because people come down because i call it a comedy focus group yeah. essentially and they come down and they are allowed between jokes to give me feedback and say that was shit that was great that's interesting oh expand on that i wanted to hear more on that and and give me actual feedback Right, and then and then I do previews for the rest of the sort of year because then I'm sort of like, all right, now I've got yeah. to actually make an effort. The 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 what was the point I was trying to make? Comedy focus group. You're focus group. That. Yeah, but it was uh, something. Uh, it's boring, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you all bored yet? No. Um, my, 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 I can't remember what my point was, but I'm I'm just trying to say that the 
Uh, it's a focus that's been presented in the past. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So by by taking a, a minute at the start of every show and not emceeing it, because I feel like when you emcee something, you're you're still kind of playing on not unwritten rules, but things that you would normally do, where mm. you'd go, "Where are you from? What'd you do?" That kind of thing, right? Which I've done in the past. I sort of ask awkward questions or ask sort of weird questions I've been thinking about. Like, what's your favourite serial killer? Who, what would, if you weren't dating them, right, who of your past would you still like to, you know, like really weirdly awkward Yeah, and stuff that really sets up a night of laughs. Exactly, exactly. But it's, it, first of all, it does set up the, the mood in the right way because it means that I, I know that they've given me a bit so they know that they can they can they can chuck out yeah. honestly stuff that they're saying and things. You know, obviously I'll I'll trying to start build there. a mood of trust. Yes. Um and also a mood of this is gonna be now. Mm-hmm. Like this is all happening right now. I haven't uh you know, there there are elements of it that are very scripted, but there are elements of it that I am going to riff and I'm going to go off on one and I'm going to see where that idea goes. And we're all going to experience this. And it's not the whole, that was shit, I'll never do it again, that kind of thing. It's more, that shit, I'm going to do it again and again and again because I think there's an interesting idea here. Mm. And until I think I literally can't make it funny, I'll do it 10, 15, 20 times. Whereas when I'm writing a script for a 20-minute set at a club, I will drop an idea after two goes if it's not funny Mm -hmm. because you have to. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the live is the most interesting thing for me right now, and and uh, uh, but on the podcast I'm interviewing more and more TV people, mm-hmm. so it's sort of a, a juxtaposition of oh hello, let's talk about TV. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go and do some yeah. stuff. Let's on talk stage about now. something I'm disinterested in. And you wouldn't <laughs> want me for anyway. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about why you would never book me and why that's fine. <laughs> that is a, that is funny. That is a comedian settling scores with other comics, <laughs> with pa- people from the past. <laughs> so, <clears throat> why won't you book me? That's that's how each episode starts. <laughs> no, no, no. So, what's your fucking problem with me? Well, I, tell you, I tell you the most interesting episode that hasn't been out yet, but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's episode 100, mm-hmm. and it's with John Montague. And he, okay. he but is, obviously, with this being 101, it will be out. It will be out, so, but so as we sit here talking... In the, in the present right now, yeah, in the yeah, moment yeah, we're yeah. in, uh-huh. it hasn't been out, but it will have been out about two weeks ago. Um, so he has started a podcast, and he represents Sky TV. He mm-hmm. commissions for that. So in the day, he represents 11 million viewers who pay him every month to make content. Mm-hmm. And in the evening, he represents... 11 viewers <laughs> who mm. listen to his podcast maybe 12 since this podcast because probably someone wants to listen to it and sure. email him and go oh I loved it um, and the reason I had him on or the reason we'd been chatting we, you know it's a similar thing to you where I'd emailed him a couple of times and we'd sort of not made it happen and then I said to him look it's interesting now that you have that juxtaposition in your life I want to talk about why you're doing podcasting why you're doing that and the way that him podcasting has opened his eyes First of all, to his relationship with his son, because he does it with his son. But second of all, to his relationship with content, mm. because it's made him think about, first of all, the process of making it, mm. if he had to do it all, rather than having someone else just do the edit and stuff. But also um, the amount of work that his son puts into it, because often he's less involved in that after the commissioning part. Yeah. And so for him to sit down with his son and his son go, right, well, I've made these five sections. I've made these jokes. We're going to do these sort of things. I need you to do that. And he sort of has to say the line four or five times to get the right version for his son and all this kind of stuff, you know? It's, um, it's fun to watch someone 
who obviously, I mean, he's a listener of this, um, uh, talk about how podcasting is affecting him and his job. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's something that when you sit at home and you watch Sky TV, you go, oh, look at them. They, oh, they're commissioning crap. Oh, they Not specifically Sky TV, but, you know, like there's the amount of us who've sat there going, there's nothing good on TV now. Oh, there's this one program I love because I'm a snooty Guardian reader. Oh, yeah. it's great. I've been, I've, I've done this before, you know, where you go, mm, I only watch one show because of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's loads of good stuff on Sky. There's loads of good stuff on the BBC. Loads, you know, every channel's got their stuff, but they've got to cater with everyone because they're doing that yeah. thing. Well, you know, yes, no. I, uh, so Whereas in his podcast, he can do, he can say whatever anything. Whatever you want, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. What's your favourite? <laughs> no, I just, uh, so every every Christmas day, my mom and dad are just livid because they go, oh, there's nothing on. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing on. Well, there is nothing on on Christmas uh, Day. Well, but the thing is, there is there is there's loads of stuff on. But you have shit. to be a fan of a specific thing. So I Christmas. So well, so, <laughs> no, so the big thing for me is obviously Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, where I would n- I never watch EastEnders. <laughs> But there are still 12 million people who want to see EastEnders and dislike Doctor Who. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and then, you know, and then you see, oh, it's Call the Midwife, so honestly, I would never entertain that in the yeah. house. But Call the Midwife has regularly watched more than Doctor Who. So it is it is very much about, it, it is interesting because I, I, I think I'd realised that from doing my own podcasting, but not necessarily so vividly in the way that you've just put it. Um, which is that it le- that it helps you understand not just the content you're interested in consuming, but why other people might not be interested in consuming that, uh, and that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're buffoons, they're idiots. Mm. Um, but okay. but it's I I think if every person who listens regularly to my podcast made a conscious effort to try and make ten episodes, not one, because one's fairly easy, because if you kind of know you're making one, you half ass it. Yeah. If you had to make ten episodes of a podcast about any subject that you're interested in, I think you would appreciate the work that goes into even, I mean, this one's a lot more simple to make than the time capsule. Yeah. Time capsule's got sound effects in, it's got intros and outros, it's got music, it's got everything, right? This one, obviously, is a talk radio show and always has been. I've, been, I've considered putting music on it, but that'll up the file size and it's already really long and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It just, mm. I just don't feel like anyone listening to it really would go, oh, you know what, I would definitely listen to five more episodes if it had music in it. Yeah. So it's not really a problem. Um, I would love to hear Hotel California by the <laughs> Eagles right about now. That's the outro for this episode. You know it. You just know it. But my, my, my point is is that um, I think podcasting is sort of seen as a very low-end thing because, you know, who was someone did a joke where they said, um, oh, who was it? Someone did a really good joke about how um, uh, podcasting is uh, radio, but for people who don't want those annoying quality control people. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. But also, well, um, yes. But so, so I just think um, you, you know, the the amount of people that sort of, and it's not it's not a large number of people, but I think a lot of people don't realise if they want to do a radio show or they want to do a TV show, you know, this is a rare chance for you to do it the way you want it done, with no other people involved, with no concessions to to what happens except for maybe your budget or whatever. Right, but then when you get a TV show, there's budgetary issues. There's going to be constraints. There's going to be people above you that you've got to validate. Oh, we want this car crushed. Why can't we have a cheaper car? Oh, because I I wrote it in this way. Yeah, but does it really make a difference? It's still a silver. What you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, if you're sitting there thinking, ah, oh, but I'd love to be on TV, but the man won't book me, or oh, I haven't got an agent. They'll get me on it. Right. Well, you know what? Maybe. But if you go on that route. 
I guarantee you that's going to take a lot longer than you going, hey, I'll make the thing that I want to exist. I'll have a portfolio of things that show that I care, show that I can do it, show that I actually want to do it, regardless of whether they're going to let me or not. And that means that you're Googleable, you're you're searchable, your quality and your work ethic is out there. Even if it's not your best work at the start, even if it even if it's half-assed because you don't have a budget that will mean you can do it. You know, there's a guy called Peter Fellows. At the time of recording, it will be the next episode out, but at the time now, it's number 96 if you want to go back. He is amazing. He quit all social media to just get on with his life, essentially. And he's now not really on anything. And he, he works with Armando quite a lot. That's how I met him. And uh, he does a combination of things where in his day job he writes for places like Veep and all kinds of things like that and in his night job he writes scripts for himself and then at weekends he'll make those scripts using the money that he makes from other things and he's got a massive Vimeo account of, that's pretty much the only social media he uses where he puts up all of his sketches all of his things like this and he puts all his money into that and on the back of that people have hired him to work for other things because they've gone oh shit he's good he can write he knows what he's doing He's got an agent off the back of that because his agent, instead of reading a script, which is what that agent normally does, watched his thing and went, fuck me, this guy can act. He knows how to write stuff. He fucking went and made it because instead of sitting there, like making a script and leaving it on a hard drive, he went and did it. And it and it means that there's a fucking drive there that there isn't for 50 other better, I mean, I'm not saying this against him, but better writers who just couldn't be asked. It, it, it matters that you care a lot in this. And if you don't, and if you can't be asked, I don't see why I would want to work with you. I work with a lot of people who are not the best in their situation or, or in the thing, but I like them and they give a shit about me and they give a shit about the work I'm doing. And as a result, I really give a shit about them. And I think you could admit, the one thing that you'll admit about me is I'm fucking loyal. I'm needy, I'm needy is what I am. I will stay around for ages. Well, uh, Simon King, uh, that that's that's essentially what I wanted to get out of you. Is what just uh, a rant? No, well, uh, <laughs> a, a rant that this body of work has been important to the I, the comic ideology that you have. It's shaped it, or it's articulated what you've always known. <coughs> I can certainly testify this that it's been the same sort of thing for other people. Um, so here is to the next 100 episodes. Oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> I so never said I was going to do 100 more. <laughs> 99. All right, well, that's just the, the rant redundant now, mate. You obviously don't give that much of a shit. No, 99. I'll get to 200 and then I'm quitting. Uh, well, we'll chat again at the next, <laughs> well, 200 and 201. Uh, so Simon Kane, thank you very much for being part of Ben Vert's <laughs> Ask the Industry podcast. Is that is that going to be the new spin-off from the Doctor Who one? <laughs> no. do, you, do you want to plug the Doctor Who one real quick? Uh, yes, it's in a bit of a hiatus at the moment. Um, oh, fuck it. Thank no no. <laughs> no, no, no. So there is a body of work that you can still take in, and we certainly, I guess, like like yours, we will be bringing it back together. Um, Mark, my par- podcast partner, and I are now back in the same city, so it makes recording it that much more easy. It does. Uh, yeah. But it is a Doctor Who fan podcast called On the Time Lash, mm. uh, and we uh, we started watching. 2005 version of Doctor Who from the start uh, and we talk about episodes in, in chronological order while we're having a bevy uh, and then we compare it and contrast it to a, a similar classic episode of Doctor Who uh, and uh, it, by the end we're absolutely tanked I have, a, I have a question for you about that then yeah okay what has been the best thing that's come out of that podcast for you um, blah, 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 blah. bringing it back around to you I'm going back to being the interviewer <laughs> 
What have I enjoyed? So I love spending time with my friend Mark. First and foremost, that's what it is. And it's allowed us to be a bit more formal and determined that spending time together is going to be the thing we do. It has also really sharpened my analytical skill. Um, Within analysing TV? Analysing TV, analysing general storytelling. uh, And to be... To, to put things to stop being so passive in terms of viewing stuff it really it really or I ask of it that uh, it is something I really enjoy context historical context televisual context um, even down to the stories from uh, from the set what was affecting the actors on that given day they're recording that given scene it's allowed me to be for something that I really like something that I love um, it's allowed me to be a lot more engaging with it over and above just sitting and watching mm. an episode or, or a story or something. Um, so you would so you would say that podcasting has given you a sort of, a, a, should we say, a, a renewed? What's the what's the word? What's the doctor do? He regenerates. Uh, a regenerated yes. view. There is yeah. There is a good regenerative process because there's there's sometimes where I kind of fall away from it. It's like I'm done. I'm saturated. But. Does- Go on, sorry. No, but uh, you know, like I will come back to it because I want to. Does it? And I don't know your numbers. I, I, I'm not a Doctor Who fan, so I, do, I don't really listen to it. And you, you're aware of that, so it's so, not so a horrible I, thing. But does it? Like, I assume when you started, you're not sort of thinking, "Oh, this is going to be the Doctor Who. But everyone's going to do this." So, like, does no, it annoy there was, there was, you? No, the so there was absolutely no desire to do anything other than to to create something, like you said, mm-hmm. that we wanted to. That people engage with us when we ask for comments and feedbacks on on, on, on stories when it comes up. Uh, that is great, and it's usually the same sort of people that come along. Um, never met them in real life, but they've always been uh, pretty. Illicit, pretty <laughs> illicit in, very pretty. Uh, in commanding respect because of the because of the intellectual quality uh, of their opinions uh, and their humor as well it's it's something both of us are funny on it and so it invites I think other people who like to charmingly or to be charmingly risible about something understand the affection for it but also understand the, the comedic element to it mm. So, yeah, on the Time Lash. On the Time Lash. Uh, There'll be a link and, in the show notes. And uh, if anyone's in Edinburgh, you are very welcome to Monkey Barrel Comedy Club Monkey on Bar- Blair Street. Which is another project that you've done simply because you wanted it to exist and because you wanted to connect with people. And it's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, on a much larger and more demanding yeah. scale. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, everything has been worth it. Uh, and I hope that is something that is shared by the people who come through the door. So we're sold out most nights, which is absolutely a great position to be. As we record this, it's in January. January could absolutely be an, like a nightmare of a month. Mm. But we've been sold out most nights. And uh, there is something just ridiculously gratifying about the live experience. Not just as a performer. I get to obviously perform on my own stage. We're just watching shows and other comics coming on, having a nice time, and the audience seemingly experiencing something that I've never really... There's a, there's a sharpness, there's a tang to Monkey Barrel, which I've not seen in other comedy clubs, which I really like. So, so in short, get off your ass and make something. Uh, yeah. That not is you, a, that's, listener. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm glad. That is, that is a great positive statement in, a, in an interview which was swerving to... I thought I was going to have to... <laughs> I didn't think it was negative. You know, well, no, but there was, a, there was a quality to it where I felt that you were beginning to... 
look more at the harsh quality, the harsh tone, the harsh lessons lessons that may have come from it. You as just bring it out in me, mate. You, br- you, bring <laughs> out, you bring out the negative devil in me. Yeah. Well, right. thank you very much for allowing me to be the interviewer for this uh, final for now episode. Thank you very much. That was me. It feels really weird to say that. Thank you, Ben, for doing this. And thank you for the whole team at Monkey Barrel for giving us a place to record it at their club. I hope that you got a lot out of that. And I hope it gave you a bit more of an insight into what goes on behind the doors of this show. A lot of this show is looking behind the doors of TV channels and radio stations and clubs that I felt like this would be a really interesting one to sort of offer the reverse of, I say the reverse, it's still the same thing, it's just of the show. So um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. On a personal note, uh, as I said in the last episode, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening. Like, um, even if you've dipped in and out since the start, or if you've really sat and, and listened to every episode, honestly the kind words you tweet me or you facebook me really make the hours in an edit suite worth it and and your words on social media uh, sharing the podcast are massively appreciated so please do keep that going that would be really appreciated and and very much something that will help the show continue the show isn't going anywhere as i said in the podcast uh i'm going to take a few weeks off probably a month uh, and come back with a few little changes that you'll notice a few little changes that you might not um but it will still be the same kind of show that you know and love i hope i'm also going to be revamping the patreon which we will get to in another thing but ultimately while i'm away if you could do me a favor and do one of these things to support the show please do don't skip do not skip, do not stop listening, do not, whatever you're doing, right, listen to these, there are just a few things, it'll take me less than a minute to tell you, and I would really appreciate it if you just took the time to do one of them, because it will help with guests and the future of the show for the next 99 episodes, so we can get to number 200, here we go, right, top six things you can do to support the show, it's like top of the pops, isn't it, right, number one, I should really start at number six, and then that way it will be like top of the pops going down to the, but the thing is they're not in like an order like that, but anyway, okay, right, I said it would take a minute, we're going to do this, right, coming in at number six, leave an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes, we're near 100, I would love to get 101 episodes with 101 reviews, if you can do that, please do it, it takes a minute to leave the review and if you haven't got an itunes account a minute to sign up please do that make a note on your list make a note on your today list or to-do list whatever you call it and do that it helps with the chart positionings it helps with looking better so people that are maybe giving it a chance for the first time do that number five pick your favorite episode and share it on social media or just in a dm to a friend and go look this is great i think you'll get something out of it if you're publicly sharing it tag me in it uh, either on facebook or or on twitter i'm at this made me cool on there and i will thank you for doing that i always thank everyone even if it takes me a few days to get back to people sometimes i do thank everyone so please 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 share an episode that helps get the reach out there that helps get the downloads out there which ultimately leads to more listeners which ultimately leads to more guests who want to come on because there's a listenership so please do that number four check out my other podcast i have one called the audio time capsule uh it's where a guest comes on leaves 20 questions and then a year later comes back on and answers them i've done eight episodes at this point uh five of them are from comedians a couple of them are from musicians and one of them's a uh, a magician even so if you'd like to hear that it's also the thing i mentioned in the podcast that radio 4 are interested in and we're discussing developing so if you 
want to listen to that while it's still underground rather than a mainstream thing that's the place to find it uh, i'm really proud of it it's it's something that i think is a little bit innovative in terms of podcasting and it's a little bit different in terms of a structure of a show um which is something that we kind of talked about on the pod about how most people are just interviewing you know one-to-one this is person to person over a year so please do check that out uh, and support that if you can that is uh, a passion project of mine that I really think is funny and interesting and that's the kind of comedy that I like to produce so hopefully if you like my comedy you'll like that podcast and you'll get the sense of the introspective humour that I like producing so and as Ben put it the intellectual int- uh, humour that I like producing so if you consider yourself a bit of a Guardian reading snob uh, that might be something that you enjoy if you don't it might be something you still enjoy but um, you know what, what other newspaper are you reading really um, so, uh, I'm, I'm not really a reader of newspapers, I don't trust any of the media. Now we're off topic, aren't we? Um, we're getting into conspiracy theories, that's, uh, anyway. Um, coming in at number three, donations, right, you can do it as a one-off via PayPal, or you can do it as a Patreon on Patreon. Uh, the links are in the show notes for both those things. Please, please, please consider doing either, right? They really help out the show. They give me a budget. I'm going to be revamping the Patreon and I'm going to be putting rewards up there that are different to what they already are, but I would love to get some more people backing it now. So don't wait. As I said, there won't be many episodes in, in the next month because I'm taking some time off to do that and to get the, the time capture off the ground. So do take a minute, sign up. It won't cost you anything except for the minute to sign up and you'll just wait there until we revamp it and I'll send a message out that will let you know that there's going to be revamps and what's happening there. So please do consider doing that. Number two, num- number two. I've just realised I've combined three and two in the same one because one was one-off donations and one was Patreon, so ignore those. Uh, number one, you can buy me a drink. I've just signed up to Coffee, that's K-O-F-I, uh, which is a website that allows you to send me $3, which is the price of a coffee. I've never bought a coffee, so I don't actually know if that is the price of a coffee, but it seems quite low um, for a price of a coffee, but also it seems quite high because to me that's quite expensive for a drink. Full disclosure, I'll probably be spending it on a smoothie and Toblerone because I don't really like hot drinks. But if you would like to send me a specific amount of money, you can do it through there. All of it helps. All of it pretty much goes back into show production because I don't really have a budget for this. So any of these would be appreciated. If you want to do a combination of a few, that'd be, that'd be great. I'll be watching out to see who does what. All the links are in the show notes for all those things. Other episodes you might enjoy while I'm away are the one with Ben Miller and John Verf. Ben, I got that the wrong way around. Ben Verf and John Miller. Um, they they uh, talked about their Purpose Built Comedy Club that we recorded this episode in, The Monkey Barrel. So if you'd like to give that episode a listen, give that episode a listen and support those guys. Thank you very much. Genuinely, thank you for listening. I know the last episode had a bit of sentimentality to it, and so is this one. I promise episode 102 it's not going to be me being all gushy i'm not going to spend the next 99 episodes going guys we're at 109 um you know it's just really nice to have hit such a landmark and i remember when we hit episode 10 uh how excited i was because when i first started all the uh, sort of blogs about podcasting said most podcasts don't make it past episode 10 and i'd already recorded episode 11 when i was putting out episode 10 so to me i was really excited i was like yeah shown them i've shown these anonymous blogs that think that you know i'm not going to carry on with this and now i'm at episode 101 which is crazy i don't you know there are so many podcasts that don't get to this number and don't continue on as 
as strong as we are as a unit and as a community. So please, please, please do that and support the community and keep it going. Oh, and join the Facebook group. I forgot that Facebook group called RC Industry Podcast. And it's on Facebook, obviously. Join that. You'll see why it's worth joining when you get in there. I know that sounds really vague, but frankly, I just want to finish the recording of this now. Oh, uh, one other thing. One other thing. I, I, I never plug this anymore, and I probably should. Uh, I've got a book out. It's called How to Make a Living by Working for Free. If you would like to buy yourself a copy uh, for you or for a friend, or uh, it can either be a digital copy, because I've got that as a PDF or as a version on Amazon Kindle, or a paperback copy, you can buy that on my website at simonkane.co.uk forward slash shop, uh, or you can email me, and I'm more than happy to discuss, you know, if you want to send one to a mate around the world or something like that. Um, It's all about trying to create a community around the free content you put out to make yourself a sustainable artist. And I've interviewed loads of people who've done it, and it's something that I'm trying to do with this more. So if you would like to read about that because you're thinking about starting a project and you think that it would be something that you would get value from and enjoy, please do buy a copy. It really helps me out. It really helps the show out because the money all goes back into that and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, buy a book. That'd be great. If you're going to give a donation of five uh, pounds or more, you can have a book, have a book instead of just giving a fiver if you want something back for your donation. Or you can just give a fiver, that's absolutely fine as well. Uh, the RC Industry Podcast is a fruit that got in Gravity's Way production for the internet. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about a month's time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.